didn't match the intensity of the opposition and um, it looked to me the hungrier team won the game and that's the biggest criticism when led to do other players we lacked energy and, and, and quality you know and um, you know got off to a really poor start from our point of view sloppy and um, you know we looked a little bit better going into the half time but we never really picked up any momentum today at all did that surprise you then obviously get into a game of this magnitude and what you expected they look a bit tired look a bit fatigued um, but you know we've got another big game coming up looming in two weeks time but yeah I'm disappointed with the, the level of performance there's no question that you know we got what we deserve today that's it turn the page on the day walk away because there's sense in what I say I'm 45th generation Roman but I don't know or care when I'm spitting so return to your sitting position and listen it's fitting and I'm miles ahead and they chase me show your face on TV then we'll see you can't do half my crew laughs at your rhubarb and custard Grand Old Podcast, episode number 67. We are back. I'm Hamish Carton. Sadly, no Paul Fisher. Um, without giving too much away about the time of day we're recording, he may <laughs> or may not be working at the moment. Um, me and John Ginley are both uh, unemployed, so that's why we're able to chat. <laughs> we're going to chat a little bit, sadly, about the... The game on Sunday, I feel it has to be done. Probably not as much we would have as we would have done if it had been the, the show going out on Sunday night. We'll touch a little bit on how the game went at Ibrooks, and then turn uh, attention to what happens now in terms of what the defeat means. Does it tell us something that we perhaps didn't know already, or did we know everything already? Has it spelled the end of Neil Lennon's hopes of getting the job permanently in the summer? And if it's not going to be Neil Lennon, then who is it going to be? Those are the kind of questions that we're going to pose each other over the next hour or so, so uh, get a wee cuppa and uh, stay tuned for the next hour, because it should be quite interesting, John. It should be. Um, it's been a strange couple of weeks for the podcast, because we had the title win, we didn't record after that, we attempted to record on Sunday and had technical difficulties, so it's like it's long overdue, I feel like we're bursting to talk about a million topics that we haven't really touched on. Yeah, there's probably a, a fair few topics that we won't even have time to touch on. Cause it does seem like it's been every single day. News stories, you know, Guards of Honour and Timothy <laughs> Weah and new shirts getting announced and everything. We probably won't have time to touch on everything, so we'll, we'll try and just get right into it and, and focus on the, the main things that Celtic fans are talking about right now. The main one uh, of which is the defeat to, I, uh, defeat to Rangers at Ibrox yeah. on Sunday. Were we surprised by the nature of the display? Um, I was surprised then to the extent that there was a lack of motivation in a Neil Lennon team at Ibrox, which I didn't really consider was going to be the key to our downfall. Um, and that was a little bit worrying for me because I think if you think of Lennon, I mean, he's not really the most tactical manager you would consider. You would you would say that it is his style of management is all about motivation, kind of man management and building a kind of cohesive team that can work as a team together and the I just thought that was also completely lacking on Sunday and so we didn't have any decent tactics we didn't have any decent motivation and for a big game for the support I thought it was immensely disappointment I know that the players half the players are probably on their holidays right now but I don't think that's a good enough excuse to be quite frank with you. I think that's a, that's a people are letting the squad off the one there, and I think ultimately the, the, a lot of the performance on Sunday for me, like rest rest with the players themselves. So that's who well, who I was most disappointed in. Was a surprise, not not particularly, not the way the game panned out, not the way the team selection went. Um, it was all rather and sadly predictable. Yeah. 
I think for me, just looking at the game, one of the kind of most worrying aspects of the performance or the lack of a performance was the fact that I think if there had been something riding in that game, I think you would have got a pretty similar performance from yeah, the Celtic yeah. players. I didn't get the impression, you know, it was a it was a display where where the guys were like, "Oh, we've won the league the previous week. Who really cares about this game?" They did give that impression that they didn't care, but I don't think it was for that reason. It was just, as you say, a lack of tactics. I thought we we got it from the minute you saw the the starting lineup, and there was a few names in that team sheet that hadn't featured for Celtic in about seven or eight games. Never mind started, so it seemed totally bizarre that they would be thrown into a game at Ibrox and we were outfought, uh, we were outskilled, we were out, well, managed as well probably to a certain extent and it was a really damaging defeat for me um, and it's, as the Celtic kind of wider support will will hopefully agree that it's kind of, for me certainly, asked the question of, of whether, or probably answered the question more of whether Neil Lennon will be the manager come next season and I think you could look at certain aspects of, of the way it's gone under him and I'm right in saying that was actually the first defeat since he came back so you could maybe argue that a lot of the criticism has been harsh and I think it had been to a certain extent but I just think the nature of that defeat not just losing to a Rangers team but being so inept in every department and let's be honest it could have been two going on three or four at the end and, and we created one chance had one shot on target a hit against a, a reserve goalkeeper in 90 minutes. I think I read somewhere that we've had two or three shots in target in the two games at Ibrox this year, which is totally oh, remarkable. Abysmal. And it was uh, it was just a, a very disappointing afternoon. And I mean, when you look at you look at that defeat, how worried should we be a about Rangers and b about you know ten in a row or even nine in a row? I don't think the long term the long term ramifications of that defeat. I don't think there's much to panic about. I don't think anyone should be panicking about the future direction of Celtic. I think what it is, though, is a timely reminder that next season's going to be an absolute war and an absolute battle that we haven't really seen for a number of years in the Scottish Premiership. And I say that because you go into this season and it was almost expected again that we would just romp to another league title quite handily and quite easily. It's been a lot closer, I think, than people might have expected. And I think that the the big change between last season and this season hasn't even been Celtic for me. It's just been pretty much an improvement of Rangers. And I say that because our points total was actually really similar yeah. to last season. I think we're a couple of points ahead at the moment, yeah. actually. And so the, 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 the what's changed is they're a lot closer to us than they were. And I think that they would be a lot closer to us again over the coming summer if we don't address this project at Celtic in the right way over the next few months and that means getting in the right manager, it means getting in someone, you know, ahead of recruitment of some sort. For all that's said about Lee Conger and, you know, we don't have someone in that day to day role right now. And so who who's in charge of a recruitment this summer? That's a worry. And then ultimately the players that come into the club. And it's a worry that we probably seem a little bit less prepared than we should be. But I don't think there's anything to panic about. And I think if the club go out and get the job done that needs done, then I think we'll be okay because I think we can improve on where we have been this season. And our points total isn't that great. There's a, there's a, there's a quite a high ceiling here. And so I think that although Sunday's performance was very, very disappointing, I would suggest it's more of a wake-up call than a time to hit the panic button. 
I would go along with that completely in terms of I think the fact that we are still the dominant team. Uh, we do still have the dominant players. I mean, Rangers aren't going to be going into next season as favourites to win the league. Put it that way. We, we still have we can hold all the cards, all the balls in in our court here with this one. And I do feel it was the the perfect opportunity that the two games at Ibrox this year, the two defeats and and the nature of them have given us a real opportunity to wipe the clean slate this year. We could still win all three trophies, which seems almost remarkable for the way this season's gone and the ups and downs we've had. And uh, we can go into next season and, and even look to kind of better what we've achieved this year. So I think there's real positives or, or a real opportunity for, for Celtic. But there is a fear there as well, if I'm honest, in terms of, you know, will the board go out and, and get the right man? Will they take the cheap option? Will it be Neil Lennon and a wee bit of money next year? Or will they really see this opportunity and will they see the... You know, the threat, and it is a threat now of, of Stephen Gerrard's Rangers uh, in terms of 10 in a row. We're two years away. Will the board look at this summer and think, look, this is your opportunity, like when Brendan Rodgers came in, to just race away again and secure a ninth successive title? And if we get nine, I get the feeling nine will come easier than 10 for some reason, because I think if we were to get nine, I think it would be a hammer blow to Rangers and Stephen Gerrard, because I think they're expecting to do it next year. They would then have a big decision to make in terms of whether they keep them on and that kind of thing. And I think 10 may well be a, a procession at that stage. So I think next year's a big one. Well, yeah, I mean, the next few months are possibly the biggest at the club for a while. I would suggest that cup and transfer windows are most important for a while. I think there's a recognition that this is a team at the end of their cycle a little bit. And I think yeah. that despite another potentially treble winning season, I mean, it's enormous success. Treble, treble, you can't argue with it, but... Any fan or anyone at the club who has any sort of complacency heading into the next season just isn't paying enough attention as far as I'm concerned. And I'm not saying that in a negative way. Because like you say, I do still think we're favourites. I'm not slating the entire squad. But I think there's certain members of that team, especially that first team that was out at Ibrox on, on Sunday. And I think that the squad depth is nowhere near where it should be. And we need to see a massive turnover of players in, in the summer. It's just, it's base, it's it, it's a complicated business and it's going to be difficult for whoever's been tasked with having to pull this off. But when you look at it as, as fans, you know, we see a list of players that need to go out of the club and we see positions that need to be filled. And the, the people in charge need to deliver that. That's where it becomes simple. That's the job they need to do. Doing that job is immensely complicated and I do not envy anyone coming into the club right now because I think it's it's we've got a difficult difficult few months ahead but like I say the ceiling's high and we need, we need to work towards that we need to push things forward now yeah I mean there's some something ironic about the fact that Celtic have what, over 30 first team players at the moment and we still seem to lack strength and depth which seems kind of crazy <laughs> yeah. because there's there's, there's so many players there. I mean, you can you can list them forever, but they're just nowhere to be seen. I mean, the likes of Comper and Jack Hendry and uh, I know Kouassi's been injured and Bio and people like that that were brought in and they've just faded away. And I think it's something we've touched on the podcast before, but it, I think it is part of the Brendan Rodgers legacy is that, you know, he, he did win loads of trophies and I think that would be the main thing you'd take away from it. But he has left us in a hell of a state. Uh, yeah players wise and there's players who don't want to be there there's players in high wages that aren't very good so they won't go to other teams and get the same wages so they don't want to move and it's a bit of a dilemma this summer because we need to get quality in but we also need to get some of the dross out I mean we we said back in January like the was the January transfer window was it a stopgap between oh. 
well, that's what's been the, proven, then, yeah, then at the end of the season, was Rodgers just filling up the team with any bodies he could get to try and deliver success? And I think, obviously, like you've just said, it can't really be argued against that that's exactly what happened. But it leaves the squad in a really precarious position heading into the into the window because you've got players like Toljan, you know, Boyata, Benkovic, Ewea and uh, Burke are all just leaving the club basically by default. And those are players who have all picked up appearances over the last three months. I mean, all of them are probably into double figures for appearances. And it leaves a hole in our team immediately before we even start building on what's already there. And that's the concern for me is that we're we're coming into the next few months behind where we should be rather than building on a, you know, a level of success. This we just we should be winning the treble. We should be building on something, but we're 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 automatically behind simply by the players that are exiting the club. You've even got players like Lustig and Izagiri, who have both played quite a lot of games this season, and they're going to be gone too, or they're due to leave the club too at the end of their contracts. And it's just all a bit concerning, really. And I just don't see where we're going to pull, you know, seven or eight players out of the bag that are going to be good enough for the first team. Because traditionally, Celtic have struggled to do that for. As long as I've been a fan, you know. Yeah, yeah. Gamboa is another one. I yeah, mean, we've, we've got six fullbacks, six kind of first team fullbacks at the club at the moment, and four of them are leaving in the summer. I mean, there's just been absolutely no plan in there, uh, and you you, you kind of look at the, the start of the Brendan Rodgers uh, reign, and it's clear to see there was a bit of planning, you know. It was well known that Dembele would come in, maybe play a couple of seasons in goal. So we looked at Edward, and it's kind of well known that Edward was a bit of a, a replacement for Dembele. And when Dembele left, Edward went straight into the first team and hasn't really looked back since. And that was the kind of planning that was in place in the early days. And there's just not been any of that in the past year or so. It seems as if Brendan Rodgers, I mean, we've heard all the stories about him wanting to leave and the falling out with Peter Law. And it seemed like last summer he did almost ba- eh, abandon all basic forward planning and we've been left in that state and it's it's very disappointing I mean that that thing we'll effectively have two fullbacks I think Tony Ralston and uh, Tierney and you couldn't really consider Ralston much of a um, a first teamer uh, that those are players that aren't out of contract in the summer and we're talking we're not talking like this is February and we've got a few months this is May and like literally a couple of weeks and Lucy still hasn't signed a new contract and I don't know if too many people want him to to be honest and I just found it incredible at the game at Ibrox you know our biggest derby our toughest match that we ended up with Burke and Toljan on the right wing like my head couldn't comprehend how that was allowed to happen two players who A have been pretty woeful for you know 75-80% of their time at the club since signing and loan in January B know they're going to be away in the summer back to the parent clubs and C have no interest in Celtic at the moment I just found that absolutely remarkable that those two were playing and it just kind of encapsulated everything that, that's wrong at the football club at the moment um, the things that are right we are still winning to, to a large extent we're still as we say a game away from a totally remarkable achievement that still my head can't get round how a treble treble could be won by any team. Um, so there is a lot to build on there. Uh, a few players are leaving, so a new manager, if it is going to be a new manager, does have things to work with. Uh, the board have shown in the past that they could spend like they did with Rodgers, so there's a hope there that they do the same again. So, you know, there is... The new manager isn't coming into a team that's finished third in the league and Rangers are running away with it or anything like that. Like We are still the dominant team, I think there's just a bit of 
bit of a reality check and a, or a bit of a wake-up call probably more so on, on Sunday that, you know, they're going to be coming, us, coming at us next year and we need to be at our very best and it, it's a massive summer ahead. Um, just on that, that defeat at Ibrox, I mean, I don't think there's anything else that we really found out about the team that we didn't already, already no. know, is there? Not really. I think for me, like I, I kind of touched on at the start, it was the most disappointing for me. I mean, you expect it from players like Tolyan, even to some extent Burke, but there's there's players in that team who were just completely anonymous that have been key players for us for a number of years now. And I'm thinking of, you know, especially Tom Rogic and Callum McGregor, who are both thought offered nothing to the game. I think there can be criticisms made of Scott Brown's performance. I don't think he had a good game in the slightest. But he was at least involved for for large parts of the. He was the same at um, the December game, wasn't he? He was awful, but but I could almost forgive that slightly with the fact that he still stood up. He still wanted the ball. Yeah, right. Tom Rogic. I mean, was he even playing? Yeah, I mean, and that was just it was shocking, and and to see another again, it's such a shame. I feel like for for Mikey Johnston as well starting that match. I mean, he's not started many matches for Celtic, and two of them have been at Ibrox. One of them was as a as a striker. And in this game, he seemed to be deployed as some sort of right wing back for a good portion of the game, and then was shunted off to the other side and kind of was just completely lost in the team. And I, I feel like, and I'm not, I'm not. This isn't really a criticism of Johnston, really, but it's just that he isn't ready. He's not ready to be a match winner for Celtic. And I think when you go to Ibrox, you need your team to be certainly in the attacking areas. You need your team to be filled with match winners, and Johnston's never been that for us yet. And I think. For him to achieve that level, he needs to go and do that at a club who he can be the main man at and can take responsibility because those are the type of players that we need in this team. We need players who can take responsibility and don't hide in matches and that was another brutal, brutal afternoon for him and I think what it does is it just colours people's opinion against him. I feel rather unfairly. He's a very young player, he's still developing, he's, he's barely played for us and you know, he's he's having to define his young Celtic career by matches at Ibrox. It's just very, very unfair. Um, and I just the, the total lack of balance in the team is completely apparent. As soon as two or three players drop out, you know, the team just looks like all over the place. There's no cohesive system or there's no, you know, recognised way of playing. The, there was no defensive stability in the midfield. We were completely overran by Rangers midfield. And it's just all all rather difficult right now and it's a real worry I think ahead of the cup final I know Hearts are a significantly uh, worse team than Rangers but I feel like it's a real concern going to Hamden with the current state of the team and there's you know there's reports that Edward might be a struggle for that one and God forbid that we're without him and, and others you know and t- there's still question marks over Tierney question marks over Forest's fitness Lustig and Hayes Lustig and Hayes I mean you're thinking what kind of team's going to be at Hamden and it's just a real concern. And in the short term, there's concern. In the long term, there's concern, but with a bit of hope. But I'm just desperate for for us to get the job done because I feel like the, I kind of feel like Lennon's looking like a bit of a, a defeated man to me. And I, I know that I've not really gone in on Lennon on the podcast over the last few weeks and the last few months because you've got to give him a fair shake. And he came into the club in difficult circumstances. But I don't think you can argue that the team's going nowhere fast under his management right now. Just going off on a slight tangent, when you, you touch on Edward there, I mean, is that not just summing up of the, the Celtics transfer business in, in recent years, or especially the last year, that we could be going into a Scottish Cup final where striker out and not have any backup to, to play in that position? I mean, 
I know this stuff's happened with Lee Griffiths and yeah, I know I mean, that unforeseen. Um, yeah, yeah, and I, and I know that Dembele left as well, but I, and I know they brought in Burke as a I'm kind of doing the wee striker sign like they wanted him in as, as one of them, <laughs> but he's not really proven uh, a in his form and b in his ability that he's able to do that in any position. So it's just totally remarkable for me that we could be going into this historic match, you know, going to win a treble, treble. It could be without a striker. I mean, do, do you end up with? Forest or someone up there. I mean, I know we'll, we'll touch on our next podcast, but I just find that that whole thing summing up of, of the Celtic situation in the transfer window at the moment. In terms of Neil Lennon, you, you touched on him there. For you, are his serious job hopes now over after that defeat? I think they just, even if my personal feelings were, were that he should get the job, I think just the tide of opinion now is completely against him. Celtic fans don't want him. I would, I'm, you know, I'm not the voice of the Celtic support by any means, but taking the temperature in the room you would consider that basically at least 90%? Yeah, probably. But I'm saying at least at least three quarters of the support, you feel like every, everywhere you turn, you see, you see people saying, you know, Lennon get, get to people angry about it. But even the people who are with the mildest criticism, they're saying, you know, Lennon's a nice guy. He's done a lot for the club. But, you know, I don't think it's time to, I think it's time to, to kind of move on because he's going to tarnish his reputation at Celtic and, it felt like, and I'm, I'm definitely not a, you know, I've, I've, I didn't really see this coming because it, even when we were talking about Rogers' feature in, in January, you know, Lennon was always in the back of my mind as someone who could come in and perhaps be something of a safe pair of hands that could bring us towards nine and ten in a row. But I think it's become really apparent, although he's, he did well to galvanise the club in the wake of Rogers' departure, I think we needed someone with a big personality to come in and take the job on his shoulders, and I think he has done that, and massive credit to him for doing so. But I just think that you can just see in the team that the standards have slipped in the team. The, the there's nowhere near as and um, there's just not the same confidence. I feel like in the players, and I think that's partly due to whatever tactics are, are being deployed and whatever Lennon's imparted on them. I just don't think it. I don't think it brings the best out of our players, and we need someone who. I think we honestly going into this summer. I think that what I want most is just a manager who knows how to win things in a league. And I know we're going to touch on it more about who who that might be, but we need someone with a proven track record who knows how to win a league, who knows how to win things, but is also tactically astute. We need someone who is a thinker of the game and I don't think Lennon is that and just I, playing devil's advocate in that point I mean Brendan Rodgers wasn't a winner when he came to Celtic was he? no he wasn't he wasn't and, and that is fair but I feel like Rodgers was Rodgers had elevated himself to an elite level yeah. I feel like Rogers, he was at Liverpool to be he fair he was at Liverpool and I know they, they came up short in that English Premier League but he had elevated himself into the conversation of being someone who could take a top six job in England or top eight job in England without much of a problem. I know the Liverpool thing kind of ended a little bit badly, but he had that team playing fantastic football, and he'd some of the players that he was getting the performances out. Some of those players that were unreal. You think of Suarez, for example, and so I think that it's it's not the same. It's not the same. I know he didn't win, but I think what we need is we just need someone. Who is at that elite level that we could attract? Yeah. Though that's what you're thinking about. It's just so well, I've got someone in mind, but let's touch on him later on. I think we've all had him in mind for a good six months or so. Um, 
just on on your point in Neil Lennon, I, I just wonder what the the reaction would be like from the wider Celtic support if he did get the job. I think there would be serious repercussions for whoever makes it. Are the we decision. talking, uh, you know, folk with forks up at Celtic Park? I don't know about that because I just feel like, you know, there's if we win the Scottish Cup final, there's going to be those celebrations. We've planned some sort of parade from the Cathcart Road into town. And I think that people get caught up in that and then the next day they're feeling all great about Celtic again. So the the, the support is very fickle just now. So you don't really know what the temperature is going to be in a couple of weeks. I think, though, for people who kind of ruminate on it and consider it, deeply I think there would be just a real uneasiness about the way the club is going forward and I think I think there would be a drop in attendances next season. I think there would be a feeling that we've taken a step backwards and I think there would be a feeling of right we've, we're, we're stuck with this situation we'll try and make the best of it but I think there would be serious pressure immediately on us to produce winning results. I think um Obviously, that's the case anyway, but I feel like it becomes like the the season that Lennon eventually won the title for the first time, you know, when we, we picked up a lot of bad results and, you know, remember we were down at Kilmarnock, I think it'd be that kind of start to the season, not in terms of results, but just in terms of fan opinion, I think the knives would be out quickly for him. And we really don't need that start to the season in terms of results, we, we want to make a real positive start and... That might be difficult with a new manager coming in because they're not all like Brendan Rodgers who come in and win their first whatever number of games in the league and qualify for the Champions League. You know, it's a real baptism of fire for whoever the new manager is because we're going to have four qualifiers, very tough Champions League qualifiers, and then go into league matches. And the way Rangers are playing, the way they've finished the season, and I know it's been with little pressure on them. Uh, but if they were to start the season like they finished it with five or six wins, then, you know, it's a very difficult start to the season for a new manager. So I feel we need, I think you're right, I feel we need a, a, a big name. I think everyone knows that, you know, a manager that can deal with the pressure and is ideally used to winning things as well. I just wonder when we're talking about Neil Lennon and we're talking about that feeling and there's a real negativity around the club and it does seem a bit perplexing when you know there's this game in 10 days time that we could make history and people look back and they'll look at this time and they'll go what an amazing time that must have been to support Celtic winning a treble treble and, and you'll go oh no actually we were calling for a manager out and all that stuff prior to it it's it's quite an incredible time I just wonder whether Neil Lennon would consider his own feelings towards the job and perhaps rule himself out in prior to the cup final. I mean, there's a couple of reasons. I'll let you come in and then I'll, I'll kind of bring my reasons on to for a possibility he, um, as well. He was at the West Bromwich Aston Villa match last yeah, night. With, with his old pal Gaz yeah, Parker. With Gary Parker. And as far as I'm aware, I don't think Gary Parker's very welcome at Celtic Park. So I would consider that a sign that he's perhaps thinking a little bit forward what, what happens if he doesn't get the job. I've just got a feel. I've got a feeling that he isn't getting the job, and I don't think our feelings on it matter that much. I, I just feel like the club have probably already taken the decision. Whether Lennon's been part of those conversations or not, I don't know. You get a danger of demotivating your team, though, don't you? If you, you make the decision now, yeah. But I mean, that prize of the Scottish. Well, that, that's why. That's why you know you look into Sunday's performance a little bit. It did look a bit like a nameless team that didn't really have much riding on anything. And I think if the the prize of the Scottish Cup final should focus those minds, whether Lennon's leaving or not, and I think that 
you know, people knew Ronnie Dyla was leaving in his last season and they ended up still winning the title. And so I think that it's it's a difficult one. I, I do think I do think there's some meaning in Lennon being in that match with Gary Parker last night. I just wonder if he comes out prior to the Hearts game, either of the next two Hearts games, rules himself out of the job, just calmly says, no, I won't be taking the job. I just think it has two effects. The, the first effect is the Celtic support um, to a man. Uh, you know, the, the feeling of negativity around the support is lifted and, and the fans are, are positive because they really see the board aren't going to be taking the, the cheap option, certainly with Lennon with this one. Uh, and secondly, Neil Lennon gets what would be quite a nice little, it's almost like a you know a lap of honour for the last couple of games. And it's, he gets to lift the, the league trophy, his final league trophy uh, at Celtic Park. And then the following week he gets to hopefully touch wood, mastermind the team to uh, a treble treble. You know, win another treble. I think his first season when he, he signed Celtic won the treble. Uh, and we haven't won it under Neil Lennon since then. So I almost feel, was it 19 years he's been at the club? It would just be the ideal way to finish. And he'd be looked at positively. You know, he came in in trying circumstances. He was our, our kind of knight in shining armour when Brendan Rodgers left and he's guided us to the league. And the Scottish Cup would very much be his achievement because he's won, you know, he would have won the three tough games, you know, Hibs away, Aberdeen and Hearts at Hamden. And he would leave as a legend, uh, as he is obviously a, a real Celtic icon and I just have the small fear, or quite a large fear, that if he stays on and he fails next year and if the unthinkable happens and he's tarnished that, that great reputation he's got, so I just I mean, hope I'd, I'd love to see him do it, rule himself out of the job, put everyone at ease because then everyone could concentrate on winning the cup and not on whether Neil Lennon's going to be getting it or not As far as the timeline goes, I feel like there'll be some sort of meeting ahead of the Scottish Cup final next week. And then I think that any announcement, I think, will come after the final. And I think it'll probably... Yeah. It'll be one of those jobs that's a... I think it'll be a mutual statement kind of thing. And I think it'll either come the day after the Scottish Cup final or the day after that, early early in the week after the Scottish Cup final. And I just see that's, that's the timeline of events. Whether they have a manager ready to announce immediately or not, I don't yeah. know. I think that there could be perhaps a slight delay in appointing a manager after Lennon has announced they've left. And not got I, long, though. Not got long. The qualifiers come up quick. I mean, that's, that's the worry about, and we're going to bring a name into it here, but that's the worry about someone like Rafa Benitez, who I understand is under contract at Newcastle until the 30th of June. Yeah. don't think his contract expires anytime soon. And so with Newcastle stalling on his new contract at St James's Park so much I think and, and and his kind of desire to stay in Newcastle if he is given the assurances that he is going to be back properly I mean that could rumble on for more weeks than we we can allow really so I'm assuming that'd just be a case of compensation if we were to try and get him yeah, before and it wouldn't be too hefty given he's only got a kind of small part of his contract to go but it also depends on how quickly Newcastle you know conduct their business I understand there's meetings with him this week from mm-hmm. the St James's Park end um, and I think the desire is that he, he probably wants to stay I think the as much as I wanted to happen I feel like the Benitez talk is a little bit a little bit um, fanciful still let's put it that way there's some bookies that have made him the, the favourite to take the job yeah. this week but I, I just don't see that happening right now because I think the desire on his part is to stay in the Premier League and I think the desire on Newcastle's part is not to be seen to get rid of 
one of their most popular managers for ages. So there's there's pressure there on both ends, and I think that that kind of squeezes Celtic out of the conversation a little bit. Although if he if he was available, I think it's not it's not that he wouldn't come to Scotland or come to Celtic. I, I think that he would because I think that what he's looking for is a stable project that he can build a legacy at. And people are saying, well, you know, Newcastle aren't giving him Newcastle aren't giving him the transfer budget. So why would he come to Celtic and have a less transfer budget? But it doesn't really work like that relative. up here. But yeah, it's all relative. We would have by far the biggest transfer budget, and so he could build a team that he's comfortable working with. And I think that he's stated his desire to return to the UEFA Champions League, and obviously we have the potential of doing that, although it is becoming more difficult as, as the, the years and the seasons go on. I think that he could probably walk into most jobs in the Premier League, and so that's the worry as well, that if we do try and get someone like him, it needs to be done early in the summer. Because we can't, I don't think we can be competing with any of the Premier League sides. To be quite honest with you, right now, it's it's that difficult. So it all leaves me to consider that while I think if Benitez was available, I just don't think the stars are aligning quite as much as everyone's hoping they are. Yeah, all, all, all the chat was fueled by the the bookmakers making him the I think even money favorite, even odds on favorite in some circumstances. It's clear he's he's the man that. The vast Celtic support want, you know, he's got history of, you know, he's, I think he's the only man to win uh, all three English, oh no, was it all all four European trophies or something, or the two European trophies, it's the Europa League, the Champions League, the FIFA World Club Championship, and he's won one more as well, so he's got, he's got pedigree in Europe, he's a, a proven winner at the clubs he's been at, you know, Liverpool and, and Chelsea and Valencia, and he's a big name as well, and I, I feel like he's the one the Celtic support want, my own feelings on it. I, I, I really want to believe that it's possible. That I think he's got that, that want to win more, and and you know it's a nice fit, and, and Celtic would be able to make progress, and the opportunity to be immortal at the club, and and bring home titles nine and ten, and would be a big opportunity for him. No one can see into his mind, um, but I just feel that he does, like you say, want to stay in the English Premier League, and. I wonder if a, a job like Brighton, which is obviously up at the moment, I mean, I'm not saying he would jump ship from Newcastle to Brighton, but I wonder if a job like Brighton would appeal to him more than the Celtic job. Um, so it's a it's a frustrating one. It's almost like setting your bar. Where do you think we can get? I mean, no one really thought we were going to be able to attract a manager of Brendan Rodgers. Um, yeah, but Rogers, Rogers was out of contract. He wasn't at a club at that stage. Um other names have been mentioned, John. You know, Jose Mourinho was mentioned a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> if Benitez is fantasyful, I, I don't know what Mourinho is. It's it's yeah. a pipe dream. Um, can Celtic offer a top level manager stuff that you know an English Premier League club can? And if they can, what are those things? Yeah, I think it's well, stability first and foremost. I think when you come into Celtic, you've got a chance to to. And Celtic are still a big name in Europe. I mean, Mourinho has a lot of time for Celtic. He's said it in numerous interviews over the years. And he sees Celtic as one of the big, you know, the big historic clubs in Europe, and obviously rightly so. And so there's an element of prestige to it. I think the the tantalising prospect of making progress in Europe is still there as well. Although I think most managers would recognise how difficult a job that is. But yeah. you know, the managers are driven by the challenge sometimes, aren't they? And so the challenge of making Celtic some sort of mid-tier force in European football is probably appealing to a lot of people. Well, you see what's been done with Ajax in the Champions League and you know Frankfurt mm. in the Europa League. Yeah, 
I mean, it depends. All also all depends on the ambition of the club as well. What is the long term view of the club? What what do they see the future of Celtic as? Do they have? Can they sell the Celtic project to elite managers? And that's what we don't know really know behind the scenes either. What is the what is the roadmap for Celtic over the next few few years? Can they sell the dream of Celtic being the new Ajax? I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a, obviously a very difficult prospect, and I don't think the analogy between Celtic and Ajax and club like clubs like Porto is completely accurate or completely matches up. But I mean, that's the kind of blueprint, isn't it? And so, but can the club um, take that model of relate it to Celtic and then sell it to one of these elite managers? I think that's what you would need to do to bring someone like Benitez to the club. I think that it's not a, it's not a case of are we big enough to attract an elite manager. I think we are. It's just whether we have the the same view and the same forward thinking needed to see Celtic as a realistic challenge and a realistic contender in Europe. And I mean, the trophies almost come as part of that. If we're doing well in Europe, the the the, the reality would be that we're probably doing a clean sweep of trophies as well. So. I think we have a lot to offer as a club, and I think in the changing football environment, where kind of there's going to be a shift of focus, if you like, to European football over the next few years, then maybe the Premier League is not as an attractive proposition for some of these, for some of these European focused managers. Whereas a club like Celtic, if we can piggyback into these European competitions with the likes of Ajax, you know, we've kind of we seem to have some sort of we seem to have some sort of uh, cabal with. Uh, clubs like Ajax and other big teams in smaller nations who are trying to keep pace with these elite teams and I'm talking about you know in terms of behind the scenes Van der Sar you may have noticed has been talking a lot about clubs like Celtic and Ajax over the past few weeks and months in terms of being this group of clubs that need to keep pace with the elite of the elite clubs as this transition from domestic to European football becomes more and more apparent over the next few years so whether that comes into any manager's thinking as well, you just don't know. It's all about what we can sell to the manager. Because I think if you're looking to bag a name like Benitez, who is unquestionably the outstanding candidate for the job, from my point of view, then you need to sell him on the future. It's not about the here and now. Yeah. Benitez on roughly four million uh, a year at Newcastle at the moment. Brendan Rogers was in about two and a half. Uh, at Celtic, we also received nine million in compensation for for Rogers, um, Davies, Toury, and Driscoll uh, when they went down to the King Power Stadium. So the money is there. The money isn't an issue. I think it is. It's the it's the selling the right package to the manager. And for me, from the outside looking at what Celtic can offer, you know, it's a chance domestic success. Uh, you're going up against a rejuvenated Rangers, Scottish football, and I know it's not the most glamorous to the kind of manager we want to attract, but it is on the up, you know, you've got a few other good managers at clubs that are improving, um, and you've obviously got the big carrot of European football, and an unfulfilled potential over the past, really since the the season we beat Barcelona, we've really struggled in to really kind of put a mark across in group stage Champions League football, so that's an opportunity for a new manager, so I think there's so much to offer, I just really hope that right now as we speak, Dermot Desmond and Peter Lawler have someone good in their mind and they're yeah, going to go after them with everything. It's not even a money issue. I mean, I, I was asked to give my thoughts on John Park to the Sunderland website, Eurocode Report, because they've been linked, linked with him as a director of football. And it made me kind of consider, you know, the last 10 years or so at Celtic, basically, the last dozen years or so at Celtic, basically, 
And I think when John Park was at the club, obviously we had a real scattergun approach when it came to recruitment. And then, but there was also that kind of, the kind of leaning towards buying young talent and players and selling them at a profit. But just mm. the bare bones of it, just the prototype of it, you know, just the kind of what what someone thinks that should be, rather than getting serious about it. It's time to get serious. It's time to it's time to unify the football department at the club and get serious about following a continental model that has brought great success to the likes of Ajax. It's time to it's time for Celtic to realise its potential. That's what needs to happen. It's not even about who is appointed manager. It's not even about who is signed to the club this summer. It's just about having a long-term view and do we have the people in the club who have that vision? And I'm just not sure that we do, and that's the worry for me. It's well, quite quite simply right now, you would argue the only view for the fans certainly care about is, is winning the next two titles. I mean, that's true, but I mean, I feel like that's that also comes with this. I'm not suggesting that we rip it all up and mm. just go, right, screw the next two titles... We're just starting again with 11 youth players in the team. What I'm suggesting is that, as we talked about at the time, I think I spoke about this either on the night that Rogers left or in the few days after when I was on the podcast with you, is that we left ourselves exposed to Brendan Rogers. We left ourselves exposed to the cult of personality of Brendan Rogers. We can't live and die as a club by who is the manager. That That's not how it works in modern football anymore. We can't we can't, our hopes and dreams can't live and die with whether we've got a good manager or a bad manager. We need continuity in place, and that's what needs—that's mm. the work that needs done behind the scenes at Celtic. And the worry for me is that I worry that we're just kind of looking to to basically maintain the same standards that we have, and I don't think that's—I see Celtic as, as, as you say, a club that has unfulfilled potential. But to have that potential, it's not about just appointing the right manager. It's about the, putting the building blocks in place to be flying on all mo- motors, you know, clicking your fingers in all in all areas of the club. And and that's the worry for me. That's the big worry. This is the overarching anxiety I feel about Celtic all the time. We talk about... I've been putting off this conversation, I feel like, for months because I've been not wanting to have this conversation while Lennon's at the club because we've got so much focus. And in a way... I know we're not an, an influential podcast by any means, but you you know you don't want to be negative about Neil Lennon for the sake of being negative. Mm. In the case you know it colours the opinion of someone, and that bleeds out into you know even like a dozen people speaking negative about Neil Lennon, and then it kind of all snowballs. You don't want to be speaking like that about the club. But my overarching anxiety about the club right now is we don't have the vision in place, and 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 so oh, I don't know. I don't want, I don't even know what to say to that. Hmm. I've worked well, myself into a shoot <laughs> Fair play The big opportunity that they've got at the moment Looking from the outside is you know, the fact we've, we've not got a permanent manager We've not got a, a Head of recruitment at the moment Just Congerton's away So there's a real opportunity there straight from the get go With the new manager To A, get him in alongside someone He's worked in the past Or, or he knows quite well uh, And B, it's, I mean, it's a it's another kind of carrot you can dangle in front of them and use in the negotiation table. Look, we've not got a director of football in at the so not a director of football. We've not got a head of recruitment in at the moment. We can bring one in that you know and it, it can kind of be an added advantage to you working together. John Park spoke in the past about how he and Neil Lennon worked really well and the fact that they had 
um, a real trust in each other when they were signing players and I think that's quite important that Celtic get back to doing that because the recruitment under Brendan Rodgers and Lee Congerton, whoever wants to take the blame for that and I know they've both been praising each other to the hilt at Leicester over the last 48 hours but the job they did when they were at Celtic was, was totally uh, remarkable in a bad sense and I think it's really important, it's vital as you, as you say that this summer is done properly, A, in getting a good manager in and B, probably even more importantly, putting money towards a manager. I mean, put it this way, I think I would rather we got Neil Lennon as manager and gave him money to spend than got, like, Rafa Benitez as a manager and gave him no money to spend. I mean, I know it's a hypothetical argument, yeah. but I think both mm. need to come. I think we need a good manager and we need money as well because that is a squad that is in dire need of repair at the moment. I, I mean, I just want to focus, and, I'm, and this people might take this, what I'm about to say, the wrong way. And it's not a direct praise of Rangers in any sense. Well, it is in a way, but it's not that I want Celtic to emulate it. But when you look at their transfer strategy over the last 12 months, since Mark Allen came into the club as director of football, they've, they've, and, and especially since Gerrard arrived too, they've got a clear focus on the type of player they want to sign. It's young British players or players who have excelled in the Scottish Premiership. And you can argue the pros and cons of that all day long. But they have, they have some sort of vision for Rangers and they're delivering on that in the sense that they're going out and getting the players immediately that they want. I know they're probably operating at a standard a little bit below us. I'm mm. not trying to say Celtic should be going out and signing Jordan Jones. What I'm saying is whatever the vision is that Celtic is, we need to commit to it and, and, and do it. We just don't there hasn't see... been a vision over yeah, recent years. There That's hasn't... to see, hasn't it? You only yeah, have but... to look at you know the the loan signings and then look at yeah. the likes of Bayo and Kuasi Abui who have come in and uh, as kind of future talents and nothing's been done about and the fact that some young players the likes of Morgan have been loaned out and have quite excelled and then there's ones like Johnson who have been left to kind of rot at the club almost. It's totally bizarre. There's no purpose or plan to it, and, yeah. and that's what I'm saying. I feel like. Rangers have committed to a purpose of plan and they're seeing some sort of benefit. I know they've, they've lost out on all the trophies again in this season. They're probably not as good as people think in the wake of the derby on Sunday. But they've got a clear strategy and they're pushing forward with it. Whether that's ultimately successful, obviously I hope not. And I hope they'll be smashed them again next year. But you can't deny that they're going out and doing what they need to do. They feel like they need to do to get closer to us. And I just wish we had that kind of we, I wish we had that kind of structure in place. We've been a, a bit of a mess this season. We've been a bit of a mess. And mm. I know that's partly because of the situation around Rodgers, but even if Rodgers was here, what would the plan be for that upcoming transfer window? Well, that, that, that's kind of what I was wondering. I mean, what would, did Brendan Rodgers know he was going at the end of the season or even prior to that? Because what the hell was he planning to do this summer? There's also, I mean, I think a real positive, I think, we're talking about all those players leaving and need replaced, and and obviously that's going to have its own issues. But a real positive of that of just is just immediately reducing the transfer, uh, sorry, re- immediately reducing the wage bill at the club. And and this was my list that I sent um, to someone in the group chat who will remain nameless. <laughs> the players who I think will be off: Jeremy Tolyan, Emilio Uzigiri, yeah, Jack Hendry on loan at least. Christian Gamboa, Scott Allen, who's confirmed away, Dedrick Boyata, who's almost confirmed away, Doris DeVries, Oliver Burke, Timo Weah, Philip Benkovic, Comper, Ralston, probably on loan, Mikey Johnston, probably on loan, 
and Abu Kawase. Those are all the players who I would consider that are um, on their way out of Celtic almost as a certainty. Would you perhaps agree with that? I, I would, yeah, I, I would agree with the majority of them, yeah. Okay, and so we've we've heard that, or and other people have probably heard too that Comper is one of the best players played at paid at, one of the best paid players at the club. Thirty grand upwards of that. Apparently so, and even in my estimation here, I had him at 20, 20 grand. You know, just mm. just for argument's sake, I had Tolian at ten grand. I had Izaguirre at ten grand. I had Hendry at eight grand. Gamboa at ten. You know, with all about eights and tens, I had Boyata between twenty and thirty. And I had, you know, the likes of Burke probably on about 12. I don't know. Yeah, I think, I think you're a bit right there. It was a bit, an estimation of all these players. And basically, it added up to £160,000 a week, which is £8.3 million a year. So that's a budget. That's a, that's a working wage budget for a manager coming into the club who can sign four or five players, good quality players, and have them playing every week in that first team. Well, my next question is, do you think we can get rid of all those guys this summer? I mean, that's the challenge again, isn't it? I mean, it's got they've got to go. Well, most of them, a few of them are loans, so you would consider that they're automatically on their way. You look at players like the other players, Some of them, a lot of them are out of contract too. As I say, I mean, Doris DeVries is out of contract. Tolian's loan, Izzegiri's out of contract. Gamboa's out of contract. Allen's away, Boyata's out of contract. DeVries is out of contract. Burke Weir, Benkovic, Loans, Marvin Comper's the difficult one, and then Hendry. the others, yeah, Hendry's the other difficult one, but I think we could get rid of Hendry to some other team on loan, surely. I mean, I know he's pretty bad, but he's not that bad. Have you seen him play? Yeah, I mean, I mean there's going to be a team in the lower half of the Championship, or the Scottish Premiership, or in League One that would take a chance on Jack Hendry on a loan basis. There's yeah. absolutely no doubt. Getting well, he, of, he was close to going to Sunderland, wasn't he, in January? Getting rid of Abu Kwasi, I mean, that's that's difficult as well. He's, obvi- he's obviously been struggling from long-term injuries too. But that's the that's the rejects list you would consider. The other thing that's worth bearing in mind is that, and I know we've written off the likes of Henry, but a new manager coming in might just like one of these guys, and he might just like a Kwasi Abu. And you know the, the amount of players <laughs> under the, the end of Ronnie Dyla's team that we're looking think? at and going, "Oh God, they've got no chance." We Stuart Armstrong, <laughs> and then Brendan Rodgers comes in and turns him into a world beater and sells him for ten million. So just got, uh, I've got visions of Rafa Benitez sitting on a Abu Kwasi's <laughs> Instagram, going, "Oh yeah, he's a player." Sitting on Bayou's Instagram, enjoying all those videos of him dancing with his international teammates. <laughs> um, I, I, that is my reject list, and I would keep Bayata if he wanted to stay, but I don't think he wants to stay. That's my reject list of players who are away. Um, I would take way aback, but you know those are the realistic departures this season. And there's also others in the team that I would consider axing too. I would consider trying to sell Olivier and Cham for some sort of fee as well. And so Actually, I, I wrote an article on that earlier today, um, just saying that it's something we've talked about as well, that the fact that he's very similar to Ki Sung Young, and the fact that he's probably, you look at him now, and he's a, probably a fourth or fifth choice centre mid at the club, when you look at likes of McGregor and um, Christie and Brown that are ahead of him, and even possibly beat on, and he's a real top player in Chamon, he'll probably go on to have a pretty good career, but you don't get the impression that he's going to ever have it at Celtic, the way, you know, he's not going to string three or four good performances together. Uh, we got six million for Key when he went to Swansea, and I just wonder if we could get even more than that, you know, seven, eight million for Enchamon. If we were to get that kind of money, again, for a player who has been a bit part player this season, that's a good chunk of money to, to be able to give a new manager as well. 
I mean, I'm one of Tom Rogic's biggest admirers, but what has he offered Celtic this season? Not a lot. He had that kind of burst of form. There was like two months in the early part of the season where he was playing really good stuff, but since then, he's either been away with Australia, injured, or just completely absent when he's been playing. He's done nothing for a good six months at least. And when I'm, when I'm thinking about getting upwards of 10 or 15 million for that player, then I'm thinking that could be invested into a player that fits this mould of Celtic. Because right now, I just feel like Rogic is out of step with his teammates, and I don't think that's constructive moving forward either. It's another one I would look at in terms of Rogic. There's loads of players we could go through the whole squad, but the good thing is, as you say, that probably about seven, eight or nine of them are going to be leaving. Uh, you know, the fringe players are out of contract, they're going back to their parent club, so... There's hope there. Um, the question is, and we've not properly touched on it yet, who will the manager be? If it's not Benitez, who do you want? I'll, uh, I'll kind of flavour that question by giving you a few names that have been mentioned at the okay. top of the bookies list at the moment. Uh, so the favourite is Benitez at the moment. He's then followed by Neil Lennon. And then you've got the likes of Chris Hutton, David Moyes, Slavin Bilic. <laughs> Roberto Martinez, who I think has rolled himself out, Jose Mourinho, Steve Clark, <laughs> Eddie Howe, Andre Villas Boas, Philip Koku, who's one that's uh, there's certainly yeah. been no concrete chat about it, but it's one that's been grown in the forums. Um, Martin O'Neill, Michael O'Neill, uh, and Jack Ross, and then we've got Paul Hartley. So I'll stop the conversation there. <laughs> How does someone get Paul Hartley? In oh this my match? God! He's Jeez. literally just taking Falkirk down to the third division, mm. pretty much at the start of the season, and now that- folk want him for Celtic. That list kind of sums up the tightrope we're walking here. Tightrope we're walking because the, some of those names on the list are pretty good. I mean, if I'm going to rank them, I, I would say that my top three would probably be like Philip Koku, number three, Rafa Benitez, number two, and Jose Mourinho, number one. I think if you're building a dream list. But realistic ones? I think Koku's pretty realistic. He's not got a job just now, does he? No, he was at Fenerbahce, I think. Do you think that the Celtic board, and this sounds a daft question, do you think the Celtic board know a guy like that? Are, are they looking that far or are they just interested in this you is, know, the British guys? It comes back to the vision of the club. I mean, do exactly. we have people in the club who are thinking like that? Do they have this... It's really difficult to say, Hamish, because I, I, I don't want to... I don't want to assume what they're thinking, but at the same time, I've seen no evidence of any sort of forward thinking from the club for a number of years now. And so... Do they do they know that someone like Koku is available? I mean, we had last in the last transfer window, we had a player like Yusuf Malumbu signing because of an article <laughs> in the Daily Record. Yeah, and you think about that. So, are they aware of Koku? I don't know. You would I, honestly, I would love to say that we're aware of all these. Surely, to- surely he is the kind of guy, and he's managed PSG to three titles, and he PSG, didn't make the sorry. Yeah. and 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 they, they struggled and. Surely he is the type of guy that, that would take the Celtic job if offered. And surely he'd make a sensible appointment. As I say, we need if we're going for a kind of mid-tier appointment, we need at least someone who has experience and experience of winning football titles. And I think that someone like that who has done it as a player, obviously great success as a player, one of the you know, stalwarts of the Dutch team. You know, he's at Barcelona and he's a really, really, really good player. And I think having to to be a player at that level, you need a really good footballing brain. And so that's an immediate positive. And then he had a long tenure coaching with the Dutch team and he's had a kind of slow burn career. And I think his work at PSV 
marks him out as a as a really good candidate for this job because that's a that's a club with massive expectation like us. Similar, yeah, yeah. Operating in a in a what you would say is a kind of second or third team league in terms of relative to Europe. And I think that although it didn't go well for him, Turkey, I mean... Financial problems, apparently, with a club that are really struggling. You have loads of... And and this isn't a slur against Turkey, but just the football culture there just seems a bit warped and out of step with the the rest of European (laughs) football, it seems. A lot of people go there and fail. You know, a lot of players go there and fail, a lot of managers go there and fail. So I'm not reading too much into that. But purely with his work at PSV, he's got to be a contender. He's available. And if I could appoint someone like... Philip Koku or or Chris Hutton mm. as a, as another example of someone who's available. If I could appoint someone early and confidently, I would just go for them. I wouldn't I wouldn't mess about here. We've got a really important summer qualifiers up. We need a manager in ideally in the first week of June at the latest. And the club have had a few months now. And if one of these guys is available, that kind of mid tier level above. Neil Lennon, I would obviously suggest, mm-hmm. then I would go for it. If we can hang on and get one of these elite managers, then I'm all for it. But there's only really two names in the frame in, in that sense. And it's Jose Mourinho and Rafa Benitez. Both seem a little bit of flyers or a little bit closer to Benitez. But if we're not getting Neil Lennon, then we need to be aiming, I would say, at Philip Koku or Chris Hutton. I think Chris Hutton's got his own problems in the sense that he's tactically not quite there in the way that Celtic play the game or or look to play the game, he's always been, or certainly at Brighton, he's been at a team over the last few years who have been underdogs in almost every match they've played. And I don't think that really suits our mentality. And so his style of football has been quite direct, quite counter-attacking. He's had attacking full-backs, but he's not really been a team, he's not had a team that's kind of looked to dominate the ball and dominate possession against other teams. So that would be a big question mark. But as a coach and a man manager, he seems to be spot on. And so it depends what we're going to go for. But that list of, as I say, that list of names that you've just given me is very much the tightrope we're walking here between disaster of someone like Slavin Bilic or David Moyes. I feel like they would be terrible <laughs> yeah. appointments. There's a lot of people who seem to rate Bilic because he did well with Croatia 10 years ago. Yeah, I mean, come yeah, on. 10 years ago, exactly. And he's done yeah. nothing at club level. He Last all... team at Al-Itihad in Saudi Arabia in uh, 2018. He was well on his way to getting West Ham relegated before David Moyes came in. So that tells the story. <laughs> you know, that tells its own story. So, no to those two. And so then you're looking at Lennon or Steve Clark. If it's Lennon or Steve Clark, I'm taking Lennon. I know people disagree with me, but I'm taking Lennon over Steve Clark. And so those are the three tiers of names we're talking about here. So, pick your poison. Who do we go with? Where are we going? What's your prediction on it? It's really interesting, isn't it? I mean, for all the... The fact that we'd rather have Brendan Rodgers in, of course, and we'd rather have this settled team and be going for nine in a row with this real vision, and, and let's be honest, say what you want about him, but a really good manager. Um, it's really interesting, and, and the fact that Celtic have a real opportunity here. I think I'm filled with you know, hope in many ways with the fact that the last appointment they made was Brendan Rodgers, and that was real pushing the boat out and I think they, as I say they, they paid Brendan Rodgers about two and a half million a year and some bonuses as well and, and they made that back in incredible money by the season tickets they sold the Champions League qualification the players he developed like Dembele and Armstrong that we've sold on not to mention the ones that we'll, we will sell on from his time over, over the next couple of years I'm sure 
So I think that the board are aware of the benefits that a good manager and a big name, um, a big name's important, but I wouldn't say Philip Koku or Chris Hooten are big names, but I think they could be really good managers. Uh, and I really just hope that they realise that and they know that the A, the effect of getting a good manager would have positively and B, the effect of not getting one would have negatively. I just think it's an absolutely massive, massive decision. I'm really excited in my, in my heart and my head as well. I've, I've got this feeling that they're going to they're going to surprise us with a good one. I don't you've, think you've it'll be convinced, Benitez. You, you've convinced. You know, I feel like you have convinced yourself as Benitez. <laughs> oh, well, maybe, maybe. I hope so. I, when we were I've talking got, about, yeah. people, people might remember this, long-time listeners, but when we were speaking about Rodgers in January, with the whole Jan- January transfer business that was going on, all those loans, when we first came back as a podcast, after our three-month hiatus, I think we mentioned Benitez as one of the, the managers that we would want to take charge of. And that was, that's the dream appointment. In yeah. some ways, I would even take Benitez over Mourinho. You know, to be honest with you, I feel, I feel like there's... It's less living by the sword if we go so, for it. So would I. I feel like it's a, a steadier hand. I think Mourinho would almost, you'd almost be worried that he was going to walk out on you any day. But yeah, yeah I, I, for me, Benitez would be number one. But in, I don't know if I totally believe it that he'll arrive. I would be so over the moon. I just get the impression they're going to surprise us with a good one. Uh, and I think Chris Hutton, I think, would be, would be really good. I mean, I. I don't know the, the total story about Martin O'Neill in his early days before he came to Celtic. Was he not of a similar kind of ilk, managing at that kind of level of English football, not winning yeah. a hell of a lot, not dominating and games? He, Look at the effect he had when he came in. Hutton's older, though. And and Hutton, you know, for... Hutton's 60, I think. And that's quite old for a manager. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He doesn't look it. No, no. He had a, he had a really long career as a coach. But the thing about Martin O'Neill is that that that's a different era of managing for me. You know, he came up under Clough, and he came up in a in a style of management that's completely different to what you expect from a modern day manager. I'm not call, I'm not saying Martin O'Neill's a dinosaur and all that, but what what I'm saying is that he comes from a different era, and so it's difficult to compare. I think that there's another sense that Hutton was a really good player and and played for Spurs for a long for a long amount of time, but. Martin O'Neill was part of that famous Nottingham Forest team. He played at the elite level in Europe, the European Cup, all that. So he also had that knowledge and wisdom from working under manager like Clough, like I said. So it's different to compare to Hutton. I think Hutton would be a good choice as a compromise choice, but I don't think it's the level we should be looking at. I wouldn't say no if it could be done quickly and the club were confident with it and everything was just set to go bang, bang, bang. I don't think Celtic operate like that though, but I would be happy with that choice. Couple of names linked over the past wee while. Um, Willie Sanyol, the previous uh, Bordeaux manager, had, had certainly said he'd be interested in the job previously. Uh, Chris Coleman, he's not been linked. Um, he's just left his club uh, in China uh, earlier on uh, Wednesday, the day of recording. Um, another name that I heard mentioned was the, the former Brighton manager, Carlos Calvajal. Um, so, I mean, the, the, the names are going to be for this one, and it's only going to ratchet up as, as the week goes on. I'd, I'd love to see the club put someone like Koku in, someone who, you know, the fans want, has got a proven track record. And I'm just not 100% sure, and it sounds crazy to say it, but I'm just not 100% sure they'd be aware of that. I, I just have this fear. And it's, it's the fear at the back of the mind, my mind that, you know, they're looking at someone like David Moyes and, and they're looking at him and they're going, 
that guy's had a, a decent career. Um, ten years ago, may I say, I mean, not David Moy's last three or four jobs have been unmitigated disasters. So, but I just get that fear that the board would look at someone like that and and think he could be the kind of guy. And God forbid if if Moy's or you know someone else of that, as you say, Billich was to come in. Um, I think the likes of Roberto Martinez and Andre Villas Boas have can already rule themselves out. And Eddie Howe at Bournemouth would would never really consider Celtic with the job he's in at the I moment. Mean, that would be a great appointment as well. Well, that of course would, it would, but yeah, I don't yeah. think it's. I think That's it's not realistic. But I mean, Bournemouth aren't a big club though. But I know he's I know he's Bournemouth through and through, and he's kind of part part of the furniture there. But hmm. I mean, if I'm looking at, I mean, he's really really near the top of my list. If I'm yeah, well he like, well he's a brilliant manager. God, it's just it's annoying to think of because you come up by name and it feels achievable because he's only at Bournemouth, etc. But at some, at, but I mean, if he's looking for a new challenge too, I don't know. I'm I'm ranting and raving now. This this whole situation is as messy as our conversation has been. Because it's just so hard to grasp because the future's so unknown and we can't tangibly put our hands around it and go like go forward or at Celtic because you don't know if the people at Celtic have the confidence and the kind of vision as we say to go and do what we need them to do. And that's what makes it so difficult. Because like you say, in the back of your mind you're thinking David Moyes. Not you're thinking David Moyes is gonna be the manager of Celtic next season and you can like it or lump it and all the apologists are going to tell you, oh, we're going to win nine or ten in a row. You know, it doesn't matter. I'm, I'm, I'm sick of it. We need to be ambitious here. We need to have a long-term vision. But as I'll say again, they were last time with Brendan Rodgers, so maybe they've realised that that's what you do. And maybe the proof will be in the pudding with the, the appointment. What I would say is that it's, it's absolutely brilliant. When you look at, you know, when... Um, Neil Lennon left the first time and the kind of managers were linked with and it was, um, uh, what's his name, uh, Owen Coyle and, and folk like that that were linked to Celtic. I'm delighted to see none of those names linked and to And then who did they got Ronnie Dyler? Yeah, well exactly, <laughs> that just shows you the the way things have changed and, and the fact the club's grown and probably the fact that you know Rangers are back in the league and Terra rose closer um, just shows the, the way it is now. A final question, because we've just we're kind of about an hour and ten minutes. So, a final question to you would be, uh, and it may be a difficult one: What level of manager do you think we'll end up with? And if you've got a name that you think will be, then tell me. If not, then just a level will do. Um, difficult, isn't it? Yeah, heart says my heart says Benitez. My head says my head says fuck knows. <laughs> No, I'm being serious. I really don't have it. I can't commit to anything because I just don't. I just, I'm just not sure where what the mindset of the club is at. And you know why that is as well is because the communication coming out of the club on anything that isn't an emoji is absolutely abysmal. There's just no communication from. Do, do you think they should have been updating us? I'm not asking for. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm not wanting an email update every Monday. <laughs> I'm not wanting a direct report from Peter Lowell every Monday in my inbox. <laughs> But I think some sort of... I know they don't want to tip their hand too much as well when it comes to recruitment. I understand there's issues here, but some sort of interview or some sort of communication from Peter Lawwell that could be done by in-house media. What's, what is the in-house media there for? I mean, mm. it's not to put on football festivals at the Hydro. It's to <laughs> communicate the state of the club to the fans about football and matters, you know, or, or charity matters. And that's essentially what it's there for at the end of the day. It's not for, you know, doing some daft emoji about how Oliver Burke can run fast. You know, like, what I'm looking for here would be some sort of communication from the club that 
protected to their end in terms of their recruitment process. They don't want to give too much away, but also give fans some sort of idea of what's coming up on the horizon. This business of going behind closed doors and you've got to wait until the white smoke comes out of the chimney is just so archaic to me. I mean, we, we're recording a podcast now. They could release manager news in the next half an hour and just drop it like it's a big, massive surprise and we would have been none the wiser because yeah. that's basically what we're waiting on. We're waiting on a statement to be made. And I don't think that's the way the club should be operating. If it was me, I wouldn't be operating it in that way. But I'm just the guy in the podcast. Very good. Well, we'll round it off there. Um, I'll round it off by uh, welcoming Rafa Benitez to Celtic Football Club because <laughs> I think it's a go. I think it's going to happen. And I'll, I'll close with that. So uh, here's hoping by the next time we're recording, Rafa's wearing a, a hooped shirt and, you know, standing at Celtic Park with a scarf above, scarf above his head. Can you imagine the crowd if we get, what, 12,000 for Rogers unveiling? It would it be fair? Would you fill Celtic Park if it was Rafa? God. Yeah, it would be, it would be massive. <laughs> I mean, we're getting carried. I mean, have you have you seen? We might as well close on the daft WhatsApp rumours that are going on. Have you seen them? Oh, is that the one? That he's, it's in the bag. Three-year deal. Yeah, it's basically <laughs> that Dermot Desmond is leading the charge. They're leading the search for the new manager, and he's speaking to Mourinho and Benitez. It's a lot of nonsense, but you know, if you can't enjoy, part of me enjoys the speculation and the rumour yeah. mongering because it's, it's exciting. Just, it's exciting. It's all part of it, isn't it? I know it frustrates some people, but. It's all about a part of it. I mean, it'd be an amazing part if Mourinho ended up at Celtic Park. <laughs> Mourinho blast your kettlebell after Dingwall Brawl. Have <laughs> oh. <laughs> you got any more? Uh, Mourinho defence for Celtic signing Bruno Alves. <laughs> Stevie Dunn would like that one. Yeah. Celtic spending is out of control and out of order by Chris Jack. That'd be good. <laughs> So we've got our headlines sort of time-ish if Marino <laughs> All we need is a manager now. Great stuff. Right, uh, podcast-wise, um, we will hopefully be back this weekend yeah. after Trophy Day, although maybe slightly later in the week, eh, because uh, I know, I think Paul's going to the game. Yeah, it's just been a weird few weeks, a weird couple of weeks for the podcast, just with life gets in the way, doesn't it? Life gets in the mm. way of stuff. Um, life I'd, gets in the way of this wee daft podcast. Yeah, I'd be recording a podcast every day if we could get away with it. Um, so it's been weird, but back to normal, and then then the cup final, and then the, we've got a award podcast coming up as well. So yeah. full steam ahead. Yeah, big cup final preview to come next week. Yeah. We'll stay in touch on the social media channels to let you know exactly when that will be. Uh, as I say, maybe slightly later on in the week, but time will tell. Big thank you to you, John, for, for joining yes. me on this uh, wonderful afternoon. The weather's lovely. Hope it's lovely wherever you're recording and wherever you're listening Scotland as well. Scotland's sunny city. Well, Presswick. Presswick's <laughs> not a city. Right, great. Thank you, John. Take care and hail, hail. <laughs>